Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Carly Ennis. I'm very well. I'm socially distant. How are you? I'm very socially distant too. <laughs> This is very strange altogether, isn't it? It is, but times that are strange call for solutions that are strange. Dear Critish Ed listener, you probably know what's going on here. We are in the middle of a pandemic, so Collie and I have decided not to meet up in person to record this episode of the Critter Shed. Instead, we're doing it remotely. He's at home in his Critter Shed, and I'm at home in my living room. We hope you enjoy. Do you want to hear what I'm wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing, I have a headphone, set of headphones that is connected to my phone. And then I'm wearing a wireless microphone oh, so that cool. I can introduce you to our special guest. All right. And who are we talking uh, who, to today? Okay. We're talking to somebody who lives with me. Okay. His name is Terry. Okay. And um, can you hear that? Water. Yeah. So he lives in, he lives in a... Um, a terrarium in our living room and he's he's lovely i have to say he's beautiful i'm just going to try and pick him up now he's just coming out of it. come on dude um i won't i won't keep him for long but i just want to show you and point out a few things so that you can tell me oh i know that noise i know that noise instantly that's a cane toad it's a cane toad yeah that's the distress cry of a cane toad very very nice so I'm just holding him up here and I'm not going to hold him for too long because I don't want to stress him out. And he tends to empty his bladder, so I don't want to get my socks wet. Yeah, that's a, a, a real toad defense mechanism is Is, is pee, it really? It's amazing. He, he's also puffing himself up now as I'm holding him. I'm holding him under his oxters there, under his, um, just where his ribs are. Right. And he's, he's sort of puffing himself up now. I'm avoiding the bufotoxin glands and you can tell me all about that. But I just essentially, I didn't realize... There he is. Oh my God, he's lovely. Yeah, so he's deflated now. Yeah, he's just relaxing. So the the, the, the two defense mechanisms you mentioned there, the peeing, that's number one. They'll spray uh, any liquid they have in their body on, on a potential predator or they'll puff themselves up to make themselves very difficult to swallow and very big and scary looking. Yeah, I won't be eating them anytime soon. No, you wouldn't want to. But what I did notice about him is the top of him. The bit that's pointing up towards the sky, his back and the back of his legs is quite a dark colour. But underneath, he's this really lovely light colour with mottled brown. And his eyes are quite lovely. They're sort of 
They're dark and the pupils are black, but the pupils are surrounded by something that's almost just iridescent green. Yeah. He's very attractive. And of course, he's got the very long, very muscular legs. And I'm going to put him down now back into his terrarium. But there's a few things that I have questions about um, that maybe you can help me. Yeah, fire away. Um, so he, it looks like he changes color at night. Like when we look at him at nighttime, he seems to be a lot um, brighter than he is during the day. And I don't know if that's, the, if that's yeah. the light or if they actually do change color. No, I mean, like even our own native frogs, a lot of amphibians can do that. It depends on the background. Now, they're not as quickly... Um, they haven't got the ability to change as quickly as chameleons will be able to do. Yeah. But they can blend into a background. So you'll find a cane toad maybe that would live on a, a, a very green golf lawn would be a lot lighter than a cane toad that would live in a stone quarry, you know? Um, and that's the kind of places you tend to find them as well because they, um, they're originally evolved in South America in, in the the hot jungles down there and they haven't changed basically for five million years they've actually found fossils five million years yeah they found fossils of, of cane toads that are wow. basically the same and um, even longer so they're pretty uh well-designed creatures and they're actually they're actually for the world a world that doesn't really suit amphibians because they're not all not doing well that like we've constantly talked about on the show but the cane toad is designed perfectly for the modern world and how to deal with man they've basically they're natural what about women oh yeah man yes uh humankind humankind yes. oh, you see you have to pull sorry i'm just gonna wash things. my hands now but, because um, they do have this toxin that you're gonna tell us about later there you yeah go. wash your hands Underwashed. and sing happy birthday while you're washing your hands twice <laughs> 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 we get this virus yeah uh, so you. these are perfectly evolved then for for the modern world yeah to it's, with it, humans. they were perfectly evolved for their own habitat like which was the, the steamy jungles of south america but by sheer chance uh, when they were brought around the world to eat cane beetles is, that's what they got their name they were supposed to destroy cane beetles and uh, they were brought around because they are such voracious hunters the habitats they were brought into that involve lawns and gardens and and farms and quarries and industrial setups and seaside towns and even cities it just suited them right down to the ground because they had no predators natural predators in australia or any of the islands of oceania where they were brought or into the caribbean islands no predators that could deal with them and also there he goes again he's singing a lovely song there they had no predators that, that could deal with them but they also had no natural um barriers to their dispersal which you would normally find in a, in a thick rainforest so they basically could just eat and breed and eat and breed and just rampage across uh islands and across most of uh nearly half australia now they've they've colonized right up to to uh queensland so the, the, the lion has been drawn up at queensland to try and keep them in check and yeah keep them there so and they've been the effect they've had on biodiversity in Australia has been profound. So, but yeah. what exactly is it that makes you know these cane toads so devastating or so toxic? Well, obviously, the first and foremost thing is there's no natural predators there, and also it's it's bufotoxin. It's that toxin that 
these particular species of, of toad have. All toads have it, but the cane toads one is particularly nasty. It's actually a class class one or class A drug in Australia. The one of the top wow. classes, yeah. Um, it's a poison. So I'm looking at it's a poison, and I'm looking now at uh, Terry. So where on Terry does he have this bufotoxin? Okay, so across his whole back, um, you will see oh, right. the tiny little warts. But also you'll see the two massive glands that are like big pimples running uh, vertically down his back uh, behind his eyes. You'll see them, they mm. look like two big spots that are ready to go. And if you were to put even a slight amount of pressure on to them, um, I demonstrated this up in Galway recently to some of the, the, the NUI Galway students, the, the university students up there, we were doing a talk on amphibians. and they were surprised at just how little pressure you have to put on and um, those glands there wow because they literally pop like a zit oh. sorry for being gross but <laughs> they literally pop like pop like a zit but instead of hitting your mirror when you're 17 and going out in a day they'll go into um <laughs> they'll go into the the mouth of some unfortunate creature and instantly you'll see especially like if you look at the veterinary guidelines on how to deal with it it's you're, you're looking for symptoms like dizziness, watering from the eyes, um, loss of stability and violently vomiting and all these horrible ways to go. And essentially, they all their organs shut down and basically you suffocate to death at the end. It's, oh, my God. It's a horrible death. Um, and there's been human fatalities recorded, too, because of idiots trying to lick them or mistaken identity in Asia. Some people have eaten toads that were mistaken for edible frogs so it's a serious serious toxin that they're carrying and its potency is what causes like even even massive creatures like saltwater crocs have snapped these toads up and just keeled over it's 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 an incredibly powerful um, toxin you know so is it true is it true then that um sometimes you just find Australian animals dead holding a toad in yeah, the Yeah, like, like the big monitor lizards, the big guanas they have over there and the big carpet pythons and all sorts of different and mammals and all. And they just bite into them and sometimes they, they get such a heavy dose that they just literally die there with the thing halfway down their neck. So again, not the toad's fault, but it's a pretty horrific way to go if you're an unfortunate predator who comes along and thinking you're finding a nice easy snack of one of their native um, frogs over there which which are commonly mistaken this is another problem as well a lot of people who are going out whacking cane toads have accidentally whacked fairly rare native frogs and 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 toads over there to death you know so there's a lot of um a lot of guidelines being put out now by australian uh, herpetologists to recognize cane toads properly and make sure you have a proper identification of them as opposed to just going around whacking everything that looks remotely like them you know and is it true that um they were brought in to eat the cane beetles but they ate everything but the cane beetles (laughs) yeah more or less they didn't even eat the cane beetles. no they didn't i think it was i think it was a half a dozen individuals were brought in to Western Australia in the nineteen, the early the early nineteen twenties, I think it was, but around that time they brought them in, and they basically just bred like mad. A female can have up to twenty five thousand eggs, Oof. and they can breed twice during the year, which is unusual for amphibians. They're wow. incredibly toxic. They they actually their defense mechanism, apart from the puffing up, and is 
it's basically to sit there and let something eat it until it instantly dies. So they'll actually sit there and let things chew on them. Now that's that's a good de- defense mechanism for most Australian creatures, but there is one creature, uh, God bless them, called the the meat ant, who are impervious to the toxins, and they will just actually eat the toads alive, strip them to the bone oh. while they sit there. So there are a couple of Australian animals that can deal with them, and actually over the years, it's. It's interesting that they're getting reports of guanas, the big lizards down there, and some of the crows, and even some of the uh, native marsupials are starting to figure out that if they flip the toad over and eat it from underneath, they don't get that heavy dose of of bufotoxin, which, you know, is a death sentence to them. So some animals are coming around slowly, naturally, but uh, others do need a helping hand and there's been some really interesting uh, studies and programs put into place by conservationists down in Australia about how to do this and like with quals uh, who are a type of marsupial they'll actually feed them blended cane toads sorry Terry if you can hear that but uh, blended cane toads and, and give them a small dose of the toxin that will make them quite sick for a day or two ah clever but it won't kill them and then they'll do that a couple of times, put them off the smell and the texture of a cane toad and then release them into the wild. And they've actually recaptured mothers with babies and the babies are fine because the mothers have, obviously in mammals, there's a lot of parental care and teaching that goes on to even smaller animals. So yeah. they, they've taught their kids basically that cane toads ain't good. And the kids will carry that on to generations. And yeah. Exactly. So it's it, there's some good programs being worked with them as well. But again, we have to remind people that cane toads are actually wonderful creatures. And it's not their fault that they're down there. It's just... Yeah. They really shouldn't it, be it, We're the idiots who brought them in. Of course. So tell me where they come from. Because it's not Australia. And everybody assumes or everybody associates them with Australia. But they are not from Australia. They're from much further away, aren't they? Yeah, South America. So they have a massive range across South America. And they would have evolved, as I said, in very dense rainforests, which limited their dispersal abilities. Uh, also... They'd have natural predators there who, who have evolved, co-evolved with them. So their eggs would be eaten, their tadpoles would be eaten, they'd be eaten. And that would just naturally keep the numbers quite low. It's just when you introduce them into an ecosystem that can't handle them, they just run right and just take over, basically. They got very lucky as a species. They've high tolerance to a lot of the nasty um, infections that are, are wiping out amphibians. They're quite tolerant to pollution. They love hanging around human ha- habitation and, and artificial habitation. They just really, really got lucky when they were introduced to these places. So uh, a fortunate little amphibian. Yeah, not so fortunate for the other creatures that they've encountered along their way. I remember uh, there's a fantastic um, uh, YouTube documentary that was on video back in the 80s that made the, by some it, Australians. It's a fabulous documentary. It's actually an award-winning uh, documentary. It's a uh, Cane Toads and Unnatural History. Yes, it's fantastic. It's on YouTube. I'll put a link to the show notes. I really would recommend people to look at it because not only is it great natural history about the cane toads, it's a real Australian documentary with Australian humour and it's just great fun to watch. It's great. And very informative. It's fantastic. Yeah. But um, when I was in Australia, people had such an aversion to cane toads. And I understand why now, of course, because they were destroying so much... um, so many wild animals but when you look at them individually they're gorgeous creatures 
They really are lovely yeah. looking. Me, Terry here. I'm looking at. He's very quiet. He's he's a male, so obviously, as I know now from 25 episodes of the Critter Shed, <laughs> is he's smaller than the female because the female has to have a larger body to accommodate yes. those eggs. Aren't you proud of me? What I'm learning. Very good. But the the uh, like the, the Australians, some of the Australians in Queensland in the 80s and 90s, they were mad about them. So a lot of people hate them, but a lot of people really like them. And there's stories of kids dressing them up and as dollies, keeping and them stuff as pets. Yeah, them that's right. Yeah. I know it's insane. But when I look at Terry here now, so Terry is pretending to be a rock in the sense that he's all sort of rough. Sorry, that was my cat sneezing. He hopefully doesn't have corona. Um, <laughs> He looks like a rock and he's very quiet during the day. But at night time, he, he looks like he's lighter in colour and then he becomes very active. But something happened to him a while back that maybe you can explain to me. It looked like his skin was coming off and I, I was freaking out. And I remember I rang you. I thought, oh, my God, yeah. is my, is yeah. my cane toe dying? <laughs> so what was happening there? So basically about once a month, um, large amphibians like that and all frogs and toads will do this they basically peel off a layer of their skin and in order to retrain re retain the nutrients from that they'll eat it yeah. so you'll see them like pushing their back legs over their body and rubbing it and the skin breaks and then they basically just doing. take it off like you take off a jacket and uh, mm. a pair of gloves mm. and they'll just eat it all mm. down and they're quite they look, um, how would I describe it? It's like the, the bit in Gremlins, where the Gremlins are turning into, <laughs> are multiplying. It's that kind of slimy, really intense. Um, yeah. It really, it looks very intense. It really does. But um, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people get freaked out when they see it first, but it's perfectly natural. And it's it's just them basically getting rid of old dead skin that on, on, on yeah. a layer of skin and just instead of just shedding it like a snake will, they're reta mm. retaining a lot of the nutrients in the skin by eating it. It's a really good system. So Terry, his body uh, without his legs will be about the size of my hand or a little bit smaller. Yes. How big do the females get though? Well, actually, the biggest toad recorded in Australia so far was actually a male. It was just or, or just around five kilos, which is massive. Oh. So they were Jesus. freaking out because that was a male and they were thinking there must be females Female out there. Must be bigger. And what's happening in Australia, because it's, they've been there so long and they're ranging so fast, they're actually changing physically as a species and some of them are getting longer legs so they'll get ahead of the pack so to speak as they march across oh. the land and get to these fresh eating grounds and just eat and eat and eat and as they're eating wow. all this nutritious stuff now the cane toads are really unusual for amphibians in another way because amphibians tend to eat things that move they have to see something visually to hunt yeah. it otherwise it's just not there to them now, cane toads are primarily like that, but they also have a great sense of smell and they can actually eat dog food and carrion like dead mice and dead rats. They'll eat live mice and rats as well, but wow. they have a, such a strong sense of smell they can actually eat perfectly still dead stuff, which is, again, it's like they were tailor made. You'd almost imagine they were engineered to invade a place like Australia or, yeah. or these island places, yeah. you know, so they're an amazing, amazing little creature. So if... If Terry happened to get outside my house, would he survive here? No, because their minimum range of temperature that they could really kind of function at is around uh, 10 degrees. And it's a lot colder than that in Ireland at the best of times. So they don't really um, they don't really tend to survive in, in, the, in the colder regions too well. But they again, they're very tough, though. They they're actually referred to as the marine toad as well as the cane toad. And that's 
because that their tadpoles can actually survive in quite a high amount of salinity in the water so you could get them in very brackish water up to 15 percent which opens up whole new ranges of them to move along a coastline in certain areas as well so yeah a very very tough creature they've even been found spawning successfully in you know sewers and open drainage systems where it's amazing no nothing else God. can survive so they're they're incredibly tough um tough animals you know when you said when you said marine toads, I thought you were going to compare them to the US Marines, who are tough <laughs> <No>. motherfuckers. <laughs> well, there you but go. But it sounds like you could actually you do could, that. And, <laughs> and, and they do march the along. The Navy SEALs of the amphibian world. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Have to cue some uh, army music there now. Let's we'll see if we can get some in there. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is really bizarre because I'm actually talking to you from the critter shed. I wanted to keep it authentic. So there you go. Um, yeah. Well, I'm in my critter shed, well, there, which is see, I'm surrounded so by three cats and uh, the wonders, I have a frog and I have a toad. So there you so. go. It's the wonders of modern technology. We can still do this. It is. I think we'll be back to talk about stuff more yeah. often than every two weeks than we used to be. Exactly. Um, but I have one question before we go. Mm -hmm. From the 1st of March, it's illegal to cut hedgerows. hedgerows. Yeah. Yep. I have two questions for you. Does that include hedgerows in my garden? And it, what do I do if I see someone who, who's cutting down a hedgerow? Everybody. It might be illegal? Just assume it's everybody. <laughs> that's, that's the best way yeah, to do okay. it. Because it's, hedgerows are hedgerows. And there's been arguments with... Uh, private landowners last year kind of came to a head but everybody should adhere to the rules there's been plenty of time over the winter to cut your head just now's the time for the birds and the bees to do their thing if you see someone someone cutting a hedge give your local police station a shout get some evidence down if they can't obviously you're going to be fairly busy over the next couple of weeks but do keep your eye out if you're out for a stroll because we have to look out for um, what little um, natural habitat we have left and our our hedgerows are basically what's left of our, our old native forests 
believe it or not, they provide the homes for the animals that used to live in the forest. So when people butcher them, especially at this time of year, it's not good at all. And it really puts yeah. um, put severe pressure on animals that are, you know, trying to nest or trying to forage for food. And uh, yeah, it shouldn't happen. So, Collie. Yo. I think that because we're all in these special circumstances now, there's loads of people at home and loads of people by themselves. If there's anything that you want to ask us over the next few weeks while yep. we're all in lockdown or semi-lockdown or semi-self-isolation, tweet us, put it on Facebook, just get in touch with us in any way you can, Oof. email us, and we will answer your questions. Yeah. Um, and we don't we'll know the answer. Short bursts. If, if we don't know the answer, we'll find somebody who does because we, we know enough people, we will. so it's all good. So I would say keep an eye on nature. If you're feeling hemmed in and cooped up, just even look outside your window or your balcony, see what's going on, watch the birds, watch what they're doing. Because I'm getting to know all the individual birds now around here and I know them. You and can hear mine at my jackdaws. here. They're all going mental. I can. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, keep in touch. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Any questions you might come across that uh, you, have, you want answers to, we'll try and help. And otherwise, we'll be back really soon. Yeah. With more episodes this um, socially distant time of ours. We're, we're apart, but we're together in every way that counts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I sound like a sap saying that, but there you go. Anyway, great to talk to you. All right. I'll talk to you soon, yeah? Look after yourself. Yeah, take care. The Critter Shed is a member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. As is my podcast, the Dublin Story Slam podcast. See all our shows on thewarren.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.